Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are River of Death and Firewalker. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Do you know what would be better for everybody? <laughs> if we had just started this directly, talked about uh, the finding Finding treasure, I think, would make everybody's life better. Do you think so? Well, maybe. Even the, even the natives people who they're... <laughs> stealing from in these movies now i I, i'm just gonna say this out front before we introduce these movies i think you could retire retitle either of these movies indiana jones and the convoluted plot (laughs) and no one would and no one would know sure (laughs) no i yeah i mean i i think i referred to michael dudikoff as the canon films equivalent to uh, Indiana Jones in my Instagram description of this movie. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> that's obviously what they were trying to do, right? You know the uh, biggest the okay. biggest argument that we'll state it before we go into these movies and have to resolve it by the end is who is the better Diet Coke <laughs> of Indiana Jones? Oh, I Chuck, think there's a Chuck, clear winner. So. Chuck Norris or Dudikoff? Well, we'll have to have we don't we'll have to have a, a, a debate at the end, but we'll have to set parameters, I think, in order to make the debate interesting. So, I think it's pretty made, clear. But I think it's I think when push comes to shove, we're going to be pretty clear on which is the better movie. But then mm-hmm. the question that's going to come out of this is going to be which actor has more potential to be a good Indiana Jones if they were given the same opportunity. See, I'm looking at this less as an Indiana Jones ripoff and more of a ripoff of, of uh, Alan Quartermain in The Lost City of Gold. Sure. Which is, itself it's is a ripoff solid. of Indiana yeah. Jones. Well, it, it, it's... Which, we get, weirdly we get enough... this a lot. Like, which, weirdly enough, John Ray's Davies has been in all of them. So. Yeah, that's kind of his deal. Um, but we... I think we get into this circle a lot where it's like when the same things have been ripping each other off for so long, it's like slasher movies. It's like, yeah, they're all kind of derivative of the original, which was inspired by Giallo films, which was inspired by, which was, so it's impossible to say what's ripping off what at some point, And you just kind of go with it. You either like right. it or you don't, and you, you can't judge it on that level. Right. Oh. Well, no, I know you're a big Michael Dudikoff fan. Why don't you uh, tell us about River of Death? Oh, yeah. Uh, so River of Death is about a... I don't know. He's an adventurer guy. He's described as adventurer in like the IMDb description. It's like, right, he's, supposed, he's supposed to be like a guide, is he? I guess. 
but he know. doesn't seem familiar with the area he's guiding people through. <laughs> which is kind well, of he said the, he had never gone that far up the river. Before. Right. I'm I'm saying that's the the entire purpose of a guide is that they know the area. You don't. I don't think you can just jump into guide mode. Uh, and he is he is taking a lady and her father uh, deep into the South American uh, jungles. Uh, they're attacked by natives. The doctor is uh, killed with a gun, suggesting that the Nazi that we saw at the beginning of the movie <laughs> is is going to be involved. Pretty, which pretty clear cut. Yeah. Uh, can we, before we go any further. Uh, the, the scene at the beginning where we're introduced to the fact that there's uh, a Nazi escaping to South America. Can we all agree that that shouldn't be in this fucking movie at all? The scene so, or the plot point? The, the scene. So here's the thing about it. First of all, I think the reason you're saying that is that we have, we have a mystery going on for the rest of the movie, except they told the audience the answer to the mystery at the beginning. Yes. Just problematic. I agree. So that scene, if if it's going to be in the movie, probably shouldn't be at the beginning. But then the second part of that is that scene seems like it's very distinctly set up to tell us which are the bad Nazis and which are the worst Nazis. And you don't need to do that. They're already Nazis. Like, just put the armband on them and you're done. And, like, honestly, like, you're in South America, if there's just a bunch of Nazis down there, we've all heard enough rumors about Nazis in South America that you don't need to explain how they got there or anything else. So, yeah, you're kind of right. Right. And so this and and so after the doctor's killed, we hit the speed bump. The girl is abducted and taken away by the tribesmen. Right. Yeah. The rest of the movie serves no fucking purpose other than to deliver Dudikoff to the Nazis at the end of the movie. And this movie is an hour and fucking, like, what, 50? <laughs> hour 45? He's getting the team together to go. Yeah. Just God. takes him a long fucking time to get yeah. that team together. <laughs> it is fucking ridiculous. There is no, and it serves no purpose, there is no character development, no anything. No. We just get all these people together and then about a fucking hour and 15 minutes later, you know, there's the reveal that one of the guys they're with is a Nazi, which we already know because of the beginning of the movie. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, yeah. And then and then we have an end conflict with Nazis, which is kind of like weirdly I, overly violent isn't the correct term, but it's like fucking dumb. There's there's a scene where like a Nazi shoots a woman and she shoots a flare gun and like <laughs> three people die. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. So, I have to admit I enjoyed that scene. Like I enjoyed when the canon films parts of this movie. I enjoyed that. Right. Yeah, yeah. All the all the yeah. violent stuff is fucking great. And I I even like most of the characters in the film. Uh I mean, what one of them is uh, evil Nazi being played by a Bond villain, so that's always good stuff. <laughs> Although that dude, uh, why is my brain not working? Somebody give me his name. Donald Pleasance. Thank you, Donald Pleasance. Uh, <laughs> Walt, Walt Donald Pleasance is delightful, and I love to see him in movies. Have you guys ever noticed that he fucking sucks at doing accents? <laughs> it's really good I mean, in a British one. 
I mean, they're they're just they're bad. Like all of them, they're bad. They're always like off. It's like he almost has the accent. It's like he's doing some weird, subtle dialect accent from some remote part of the country that we are unaware of. <laughs> he's like, I'm doing a a German with a Polish accent. Like, I don't, I don't, don't do that. None of us know what that sounds like. But yeah. So, so that's pretty much it. Like, it's it's hard to... That, that whole giant fucking thing in the middle of the movie is just excuses to get from one scene to the next scene to the next scene to the next scene. At one point, they're attacked by a bunch of natives that are on, like, a fucking steamboat. Yep. Which is something, like, straight... Just straight the fuck out of a 1950s, like, uh, Jungle Cruise-type movie. Yeah, it's so weird because they're they're attacked by river pirates, but the whole time they're on the river, it's like just them and the river pirates. It's like, well, what are those pirates doing day to day? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, who are they pirating? There's nobody else out there. And they make a point of bringing up the fact that they're like so far out there that nobody ever goes there. And it's like, OK, but then that's not how pirates work. <laughs> Like, pirates have to operate in relatively well-populated areas to have somebody to steal from. Right. And then we have, like, multiple levels of randomly racist natives. See, I'm going to push back a little bit on that, because I knew you'd say that. I actually think this movie is shockingly woke by 1980s standards, because they do differentiate all the neighbor- all the natives, right? You have the native tribe at the beginning, who the- who's working with the white people who are, like, helping the doctors find the... Because the reason they'll bet first the doctor and his daughter go in the woods is to find the source of some disease because they're right. trying to stop it. So you've got one tribe that works with them. You've got the tribe that works with the Nazis. They're obviously inherently bad because they're working with Nazis, although it's never explained why they work together, I don't think. Then you've got, like, a cannibalistic tribe. And then you've got the one random tribe they go by, and they're like, yeah, those guys... They're not involved in this, that they're just another tribe that happens to be here. And they all just kind of wave at them and they move on. So I think it's like surprisingly like trying to point out that the natives are not all just one homogenous group of cannibalistic right. monsters. They're actually like, no, there's good guys, there's bad guys, there's so, just people like anybody else. So old alternate lens, did they take the time to separate them into different cultures? Or did they caricaturize them into various gangs from the movie The Warriors, but it's tribal dress? Yes, okay, but it's a canon films movie from 1989. Right, 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 right. right. This is pretty good for what you're going to get. This is pretty good. <laughs> this, is, you, this is the subtlest of all the racisms that you're going to get. If you go back and you look at movies from this era, especially your lower budget ones, there's... From a 2021 perspective, they're problematic, to say the least. This one is at least trying, I think, to give you a bit of a positive message. They're doing it in a weird way. You're right. It's just different face paint. And in some cases, they're, like, clearly different races, which is weird because, like, I know they're different tribes. But I mean, and we have to admit that one... Races living in the same jungle, like, it's... One of the tribes is basically, like, these are the bad ones because they're painted black. <laughs> yes, yes. I... Uh, yeah, they're painted black and they work with the Nazis. And yeah. It's again, maybe explore that a little. Maybe why are the Nazis working with these guys? Are they bribing them with something? Are they inherently Nazi-like in some way? 
why are the Nazis willing to work with a black tribe? That doesn't make sense when you think it through. Well, they really didn't have time to put all that character development in this movie. Well, they did, because they had an hour and 15 minutes in the yeah. middle of the movie where yeah. nothing was going on. Well, we had to show how they all came together to be part of the team. It's, it's that so, was important. Because it's just like, like, Dudikoff just, like, these guys just pull him as, like, he, when he makes it back to the, the town, and he goes to, like, that police guy, and he's like, they kidnapped this chick in the jungle, and the police guy's like, nah, we're not getting involved in that, it's in the jungle, I'm not going all the way in there, and you're like, okay. So now he's, like, got to put together his own team to go in. And he meets up with, like, Nazi hunters who are going in there looking for Nazis. And then he teams up with Donald Pleasance, who we know is a Nazi. But apparently these shitty fucking Nazi honeys can't figure it out. <laughs> and it's like, what is happening here? And it's like, and Donald Pleasance has that girl with him, and I, we're supposed to give a shit about that in some way, but I don't. And it's just, uh, it, the middle of that movie was, was boring. And it was, it was like, you've literally, you've got the American ninja running around in a fucking jungle. Do something with that. Have a little fun with this. Have him kick a guy. Just a couple of times in the movie, have him kick a guy, because we know that that's what he's famous for doing. Yeah, yeah he <laughs> needs to kick a guy. <laughs> yeah, the first 15 minutes and maybe the last 10 minutes are about the only good parts of this movie. Yeah. And the first I, I 15 lo- are even questionable. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, like, I enjoyed the, the opening scene with the Nazis. I agree. It screws up a lot of the mystery and shit that they're trying to do in the rest of the movie, and therefore it's yeah. a failure. But it was fun to watch. And then, like, all the stuff with them going in the first time, I'd say, until Dudikoff is, like, when he's drifting down the river and there's, like, the voiceover, and he's like, I felt terrible leaving that girl in the village, but what could I have done? Fought an entire village single-handedly. And I'm like, yes, you did that in the last movie we talked about. With you. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, you're Dudikoff! Like, I thought that was going to be the fucking movie at that point. I honestly thought, like, he was going to turn around, go back, and fight the whole fucking thing, and then, like, get through the all the tribesmen, and at the end there'd be fucking Nazis. And he's like, well, what, what? Nazis? Like, that's what I thought the whole fucking movie was going to be, and I was happy about it. And then they're like, nah, he's got to assemble a team of incompetent people to fly him there get two helicopters, and he'll be friends with one of the helicopter pilots, because we think that that means we're adding fucking plot lines but you it's not what adding plot is no. anyways i was so excited for this movie too and it was such a letdown plot description yeah it it's one of those ones where you're like when you read the plot description and I, we probably said a bunch of this stuff last week out loud where we were just like oh my god how come we've never seen this like this sounds amazing and you're like oh this is why like this is why nobody's talking about this movie years later is because yeah. uh, a movie like this has no right to be as, a, as an outsider looking in, I can tell you this. Uh, in general, in movies, if it's not a 1950s noir-style f- film, internal monologue is generally the sign of a bad movie. It's it's not a good sign. It's a sign it, that they yeah. made their movie yeah. and then realized nobody's going to know what the fuck is going on. Right. <laughs> so they brought the, back, the actor back in for a couple of days of ADR work. It's... Yeah, it, and this one, man, it happens a whole bunch of times. And he's explaining stuff that we already know or don't need to know. A lot of times, yeah. So well, even the, even that's, the scene, not, that's uh, no bueno. <laughs> even the scene I was describing where it's like literally like I felt terrible. And it's like, well, you're an actor. Like, pre- pretend you, 
you feel terrible while you're drifting on that log in the <laughs> river. Maybe that'd be the way to handle it. That'd probably be better because <laughs> I don't know. It seems like you should be able to just look sad. Maybe I should tell him that I've never been this far into the jungle, but it doesn't seem relevant. Oh my god, natives! <laughs> it was super weird, too, because they, they made it sound like this was this lost city that nobody knew about and you couldn't get to and all this. But they're at, like they're literally at that one tribe who, like, he's clearly deals with these people all the time when he goes in the jungle and he knows them and he helps them and they help him and everything. And it's like, okay, great. And then... They're like, yeah, it's like 15 minutes that way. It's like, it doesn't seem that hard. <laughs> and it's literally like, how long do they, like, they take the river down, and then how long do they have to walk from the edge of the river once they're there? It's not, it doesn't seem like it's a long distance. So why is this so hard to find, and why is it quote-unquote undiscovered? And, and how do the Nazis get there, and all that other, all these other questions that are just like... Maybe if you're going to have a slow-paced movie, you take the time to explore those things. Yeah, and get Dudikoff to kick a Yeah, we can all bicker and argue about who made shitty decisions in this film. Or Dudikoff could just fucking kick some people. Why, just kick some people, man. There's a whole ki- tribe of cannibals. Does he kick any of them? I don't think he kicks a single fucking cannibal. Look, yeah, I, don't, I don't recall seeing any kicks. I have a, I have a way they could have saved this movie. Uh, by cutting out like the middle part, of course. But uh, they're going, they're going through the jungle trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Then out of nowhere, you get the amalgamation of two great things on film, and you bring out the Nazi ninjas. Not I mean, oh, man, yeah, Nazi ninjas. How, how could the top? How how could you? How could that not be the greatest thing in the world? And then watch Michael Dudikoff just beat the shit out of all of them. They're Nazi ninjas? Yeah, I'm just saying. And then he gets to the Nazi ninja camp, and there's one little old Chinese man fucking tending to their crops, and he's like, wait a minute, I think that's the guy that raised me, and I just forgot about it all these years. (laughs) And now he knows how to turn invisible. Exactly. See? And the guy guy who trains him is the actor in the movie that uh, looks like... uh, Harrison Ford addicted to drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know who exact exactly who I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. I don't know. I feel like if if you just if they didn't lean into the Indiana Jones ripoff hard enough, I think maybe they should have just gone more Indiana Jones, yeah. but with some like jump kicks. Again, well, it's like Doug said when we were talking about it over chat. Uh, they forgot to have fun with this movie. They were making a serious movie. Yeah. And they should not have been. No. Yeah, that is not Canon's job. Canon's job is not to make serious movies. To, to be fair, this is Canon International. Because I think the main Canon was bankrupt already. Defunct. Yeah, it's... um, I, I've said this a lot about Hammer horror films. It's like, they're at their best when they fucking just be Hammer. And I think canon is at their best when they just be canon. It's like, just mm-hmm. don't try to be something else. You're not capable of being anything else. Nobody wants you to be anything else. Be something. Be what you are. Yeah. I just want this to be Dudikoff, Indiana Jones versus uh, Nazi mad scientist Bond villain in the jungle. Mm-hmm. I, that just that just sounds so fucking great. And that's not <laughs> and that's not what you get. 
which is a bummer. Yeah, reading the the plot description last week, like we were all excited, but it's not the movie we got. Two stars. <laughs> one, <laughs> one star for the opening scene, and one star for the the weird triple shot flare gun <laughs> death scene. Uh, all right. Well, anything else about River of Death before we mosey on down the river to something else? Fucking. Get um, Dudikoff to kick people if he's in your movie. Yeah. That's the thing. That's It'd be like doing. having Van Damme in your movie and having him not kick people. I was going to say, if, if Dudikoff is 80 and in a wheelchair and making a movie, I think somebody should grab the back of that wheelchair and run his stiff-ass old leg into somebody. <laughs> now I want to see that movie. Um, all right. Well, Doug, I know you have an undying love for Lewis Gossett Jr., um, so why don't you tell us about Firewalker? Firewalker is about uh, we have more adventurers. This movie literally opens with Louis Gossett Jr. and uh, his comedy partner. <laughs> fuck it! Oh, as if all the names are gonna slip my fucking head when I'm on a podcast. Chuck Norris. Chuck, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. How the fuck did Chuck Norris not come to my brain right away? So they're on they're on uh, an adventure, trying to steal some treasures or something in the desert. They get trapped and caught. They make their way home, and basically, Louis Gossett Jr. is like ready to quit the adventure game. It's no longer his uh, his bag, and I, he's. Uh, I feel like you just glossed over that that opening scene is like them in a jeep being chased by terrorists and doom buggies and go-karts we're going through this movie in detail whether you want to or not so we don't need to get through it all in the plot description (laughs) (laughs) anyways they get hired by random lady who has like weird kind of psychic type powers about how to find treasure (laughs) um She's she hires them to, to follow this map that she's made and go get some treasure. Um, they get to the spot that she on the map, but there's no treasure there. But then she has like more weird premonitions, and they take some pictures and talk to an old Indian guy, and end up down in South America in San Miguel. Four or five random bar fights later, they're in the jungle, and they basically end up. It's just a, a like a road trip movie, but their road trip is from like a bar in Arizona or something down to <laughs> this jungle in San Miguel where they, they meet up with various friends along the way and go on adventures. And they try to trick us into thinking Louis Gossett Jr. could get eaten by a crocodile, but we all know that he'd win that fight. So it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> and the reason it's called Firewalker is because in the background of all this, there's this stereotypically racist native looking guy with an eye patch who is apparently been chasing them this whole time and at the very end they have to fight him El Coyote yeah El Coyote and uh, we should point out the Native American guy that they get the magical bag from yeah uh, horror fans would know from Poltergeist 2 I of course know him from uh one flew of the cuckoo's nest. So it was awesome seeing him here. I was kind of surprised. Uh, so what'd you think of the movie, Doug? 
Um, let's see. First of all, I did not know this was going to be... I thought this was going to be an Indiana Jones ripoff, not an Indiana Jones parody. <laughs> I was really not expecting Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett Jr. to be a comedy duo. I mean, the whole time they're just playing off each other, making jokes. But I'm fine with it, because it was pretty funny. <laughs> and as we get into it, and like at first I'm like, this is dumb. And then I'm like, oh, but it's... It's canon films dumb. It's they know what they're doing. They know it's dumb. They don't care. They have Chuck Norris and he needs to kick somebody every 10 minutes. And if that means we have to just script in a bar fight scene that makes no logical sense whatsoever, then we're <laughs> well, just going to do that. We're just gonna, we're just going to say bar fight scene and then we're just going to let them do what they do. And that's it. And there will be no consequences. There's no reason for the bar fight. There's no follow up to the bar fight. There's no anything. And then they're like, we know what these guys need to do. They need to get drunk in the jungle. But that doesn't make any sense. Well, what if they're trapped by a warlord, coincidentally happens to be his buddy from Vietnam? All right, let's go with that. Sure, why not? They're deep in the jungle. They've been hiking through the jungle for days at this point. And they come across a whole town and the guy's like got like mainstream liquor there and everything like he clearly gets deliveries on a regular basis <laughs> and he's just like yeah i got a car for you and he gives him a fucking 69 beetle with a fucking giant i don't even know what you call those things like cop cars have on the front for ramming shit it's <laughs> like yeah so i'll just give you this car you guys can sink it in the lake later in the movie for no good reason just because it's funny if uh, chuck norris can't swim there's there's all sorts of things in this movie we need to talk about like Chuck Norris's line delivery in this movie because, because Chuck Norris isn't a funny guy, and they just like be funny this movie. And he's like, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, well, do your best. and and I'm not gonna say like Chuck Norris is not a great actor, right? Oh, <laughs> I yeah. think I think we all know and accept this, but he's an okay actor. And but in this movie, he's not even acting. Every line delivery. Sounds like before they said action, somebody said, okay, now you're going to say this. And he goes, okay. And they said action, and he just says that thing. No no attempt to deliver it like like you would playing a character. You just say those words. You're acting like you didn't, like, you know that didn't happen. It might have, who knows? Right. I No, I... There's a slight chance it literally did happen. Here's what I is, think happened. It's weird I, in a movie when Lewis Gossett Jr. is like acting fucking circles around. Because <laughs> he's he's not exactly, uh, you know, Tom Hanks either. But oh, you shut your mouth. Chappie is a national treasure. He is a national treasure. I, I love him to death. But I'm, I'm just saying he's not. Ooh. He should be in National Treasure. Why is he, he not? He should, he should be in that. He, he should replace Nicolas Cage. Yeah, all right. I but yeah, that, that was weird. There's all the weird cartoon elements in this that are strange and, and jarring even in a movie that starts off with terrorists and fucking go-karts. Here, let, let me explain this movie in a nutshell. Just so that for people who haven't seen it and are trying to listen to this and trying to understand the movie. They're on a plane at one point, flying down to San Miguel, because girl had weird premonition or whatever the fuck 
her mm-hmm. psychic power is that makes her find treasures. All of a sudden, the pilot comes back wearing a parachute. There's about four minutes of screen time dedicated <laughs> to Lewis Gossett Jr. Like, what's going on here? And he's like, nothing, nothing. And then he asks him in Spanish, and they go on, and he's pointing at the window, and then the guy's like, okay, okay, but we'll be fine. And then he runs up, and the whole reason that happens is not doesn't change the plot if anything all it is is so that when they land they can wake chuck norris up and he can say oh that's a pretty uneventful flight and everybody laughs because he doesn't know what happened <laughs> that's the kind of movie this is and and then you know what happens next chuck norris kicks a few people and remember what we said about the last movie if dudikoff had just been kicking people we would not have been complaining slow <laughs> slow-mo jump kicks to the back of the shoulder blades. That's yep. like fucking Chuck Norris's thing. That's his thing. He's totally. Look, we talked about Van Damme last week, okay? Van Damme has a certain number of kicks that you just know you're going to see in a movie, and you're going to see him multiple times, and you don't know because you read the plot or you know anything about the movie, you just saw his name on the poster. And that's the same thing with Chuck Norris. You know what you're you know what you're going in for. You know you're getting that like one like sort of flying front kick, you're getting that roundhouse to the back you're getting those kicks and that's that's fine like that's fun to watch once in a while and this movie they just know every time the movie's about to be a plot driven they're like no we're not doing that that's not what we do around here (laughs) i suspect that maybe they hired chuck norris with a contract to kick people and then when he got there they're like you might have to deliver a few lines in between and that's why he seems so unprepared and didn't know there was even going to be a script they just hired him strictly for the kicking. Well, he had a uh, canon contract. If you watch uh, Electric Boogaloo, the history of canon, okay. yeah, they, they literally say at one point, uh, there was two piles of scripts for the Chucks, uh, one pile of scripts for Chuck Norris, and one pile of scripts for, for Charles Bronson. And so they literally just, all right, we got the Chuck Norris movie. Roll cameras, let's go. So he just made like movie after movie for them. And that's... not saying that improved his acting. I'm just saying you, he oh. worked with them a lot. And like you said, I think they're just like, well, we know what we got. So we're going to enhance all the stuff we like. And just don't worry about the rest of it. Yeah, it's, it, it is what it is. And they know what they're doing. And it's fun again. I've always I've always been amazed at the the three phases of Chuck Norris's career, and how the one led into another in some impossible fashion. Because you have like early Chuck Norris, which is Chuck Norris does not talk because they know he's a shit actor, but he is the intimidating, scary white bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Kung Kung Fu movie. We need a scary white white guy. Okay, Chuck Norris. And then somehow he he goes from there into these fucking canon movies like Delta Force and, and all that fucking nonsense. Which is in action. Yeah, which is delight delightful hot trash, but but hot trash. And then somehow goes from that to being like Walker, Texas Ranger Chuck Norris, which is oh. every old man's favorite TV show. Mm-hmm. In and which, also selling uh, paid programming exercise equipment. Right, but but my question is, how did the old people fall in love with Chuck Norris <laughs> when the first two phases of his career 
were in movies that those old men did not watch. Because nope. Walker, Texas Ranger, he's a cowboy, Noah. Immediately interested in cowboys. But I think it, I think you might be mistaken when you're assuming what old men do and don't watch. Old men love cheesy action movies and guys getting kicked. In my experience. Oh, and they did like Missing in Action because it was a Vietnam movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is officially added to our list after I watched this movie, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> we got Delta Force on there yet? I'd have to do some Delta Force, too. But yeah, so this movie's delightful. It's got its own weird <laughs> it's shade. Its own weird shade of uh, Native American racism. It's a weird it, one, too, it, though, because they literally combine, like, three different historical groups and they're like let's merge them all together so we can be racist against them all at once without having to separate them out (laughs) yeah but you have evil magic native american which you're like ooh, that's a that's a terrible racial stereotype but then he's being countermanded by uh spirit magic good Native American man and you're like, oh, fuck, that's equally racist. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know which of these racist tropes I'm supposed to be rooting to destroy the other one. Well, plus technically the people of San Miguel are not portrayed very highly in this movie. (laughs) First of all, they pick fights for no reason. Second of all, they're no good at fighting. (laughs) What about the part where the evil likes native spirit guy with the eye patch just like bribes some old drunk white man to get Chuck Norris to go into the jungle so he could kill him for that part it was right after one of the bar fights oh yeah I remember I don't know yeah it's just, it's just he just goes to like this like this I thought it was like I literally thought it was a spirit because they keep calling him firewalker and shit so I'm like oh maybe he's like an actual ghost and then he's just like nah he's just paying a guy money to get Chuck Norris to go where he wants him to go <laughs> and then Chuck Norris I... has to cosplay as a priest to get there I did. I had one slight problem with this movie. So uh, I will admit while I was watching it, I probably wasn't as engaged as I should have been because I was tired. I just got done working. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, but at the same time, I would like look down or look away from the screen. And when my eyes got back to the screen, I no longer knew what was happening in this movie. And that's I don't understand how that's that's a thing because I'm like, okay, they're in a cave, yeah, yeah, they're okay. And I look away and I look back and it's like, wait, they're on a train, dressed as a priest. <laughs> Why are they on a train dressed as a priest? And I was like, okay, they're in disguise. This is fine. And I look away and then it's like, wait, they're on a plane doing an airplane gag about a dude with a parachute. That's not, that's not right. <laughs> I look away and it's like, wait, now they're in a sweat sweat lodge with an Indian man. What is? What the fuck? <laughs> you, just for the record, you must have lurked away very quickly because it doesn't sound like you missed anything. Right. <laughs> that's, that's just what this movie is. Yeah. Yeah, if I, if, if I had one complaint, it is that it takes a little longer than probably should to get to the treasure hunting part. What like are you going to do? Cut out the fucking half an hour scene of them just drinking with John Reese Davies in the jungle. Oh no, 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 you no. Need that. Can't you have that. that. I could probably do without the, uh, riding the train as a priest segment. Um, but you know, but you have that hilarious joke where he's pretending he's <laughs> Latin, but he's really insulting his friend. 
And uh, Chuck Norris does the sign of the cross and says, E pluribus unum. Yeah, I was going to say the the train scene is problematic for a whole lot of reasons. Like, so you as the audience listening to this, if you haven't seen this movie, you may be under the impression that this movie is just like a a goofy comedy. And, And for the most part, it is. But that train scene, like, a dude gets fucking executed for not having his papers on the train. Yeah. And then they're doing all this stuff. And then, like, the wife finds the papers after this dude gets killed. And I, I don't know. I was like, what is this dark, fucking serious ass thing they just put in this weird fucking comedy movie? But then it turns out okay, because since they're priests, they're brought in to do the last rites. And they comedically do it. But then it turns out the wife finds the papers and his injury is just a surface wound, so he's going to live. And it's attributed to their priestness. So everybody laughs, and it's all right. Yeah, it's so weird. It's weird. I don't like the train scene at all. I have no problem with it. Might get back to our previous discussion about how much we care about people. Like, oh, guys suffering and dying. I did like the image of them rip roaring around the jungle in a VW bug, though. I loved it. It made no sense. (laughs) No. Like, that's like a death sentence to send somebody out in one of those cars into a jungle where there's no roads and shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's not what those cars are for, exactly. Um, So what what about the temple when they get there and they just... Are randomly opening doors by accident by just, sitting in a throne and just three stooges seeing their way into the <laughs> it's it's dude that's that's what it is it's the three stooges and it's pretty funny to watch and it's like every time and every time like it's always the girl that ends up finding the door and chuck Norris is like she did it again <laughs> every fucking time because <laughs> keep in mind during that part we think that uh chappie is dead right because he's he went down near a river and then disappeared. So they just assumed he got eaten by a crocodile and moved we're on with their day. Yeah, we're we're supposed to think he's dead. We, yeah, we nobody all he actually it. does. No, I wanted so bad for him to just never come back and then to go online and read the story about how there was a contract dispute or something. So they just <laughs> ran him one way. But yeah, I mean, it was like ah, he's coming back. But then what about when they bring him back and there's just like the native guys got him strung up over just a boiling pool of water for some reason in the middle of this fucking temple. <laughs> but like uh, it's hilarious dude, because it's like this magic boiling pool of water in this ancient temple and i'm like then they show a close-up of the like the rig that's holding them up there and it's pretty modern looking like that wasn't put there by the ancients that was, that was something that native flew down in advance and hung that up um i did like sort of the meta stuff at the beginning when they get caught and that dude strings them up in the desert and then the general shows up and Chuck Norris is just like, Oh God, here we go. <laughs> so he's going to come over and be like, Oh gentlemen, we meet again. And that's literally what happens. Yep. And then we get, the, we get the call back at the very end. But he, uh, he shows up, he's a bartender. Off what? In the distance, says it again. <laughs> he's a, just to clarify, yeah, that's the final shot of the movie is the evil general terrorist from the beginning of the movie is a bartender now. <laughs> Starts off, ah, oh, gentlemen, we meet again. It's... And then roll credits. 
I wanted I want a sequel to this movie. Even if they filmed one now, I would be okay with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this was '86. I think Canon went under like a year and a half later. Yeah, I think we should make sure that because. We're having a lot of fun discussing this movie. People need to understand it's not a good movie. It's just a fun movie. <laughs> um, like plotline wise, it makes no sense. It, it's supposed to be. It's called Firewalker because it's supposed to be about this evil Firewalker God thing, but it's not. It's just a road trip movie <laughs> for these guys to go treasure hunting. So, like, you could have yeah, you could have written that. You right know, the there. evil magic Native American's going to get the spirit of Firewalker, which is going to allow him to fly to the sun. Yeah. All right. Which is his evil plan. But it's not relevant plot-wise to the movie, is my point. <laughs> like, you could have just gotten there, and there, it could have been, like, Last Crusade style, where there's just one guy guarding the final treasure, and you have to fight your way through. And that would have been fine. Like, you didn't need to have a backstory at all. <laughs> Choose a cup. Isn't this like the... No. <laughs> <laughs> totally different thing. I guess remember when MacGyver went in search of the Holy Grail, and then he just literally, in the episode, they're like, didn't Indiana Jones already find it? Because they knew audiences were going to realize they were ripping it off. And Was that the same episode where he hit his head and ended up in uh, medieval medieval England or whatever? I no? when he hit his head, he right. had, I thought when he hit his head, he ended up in the Old West. Mistaken? Maybe he hit his head twice. I mean, he may have, because I remember one where he he hit his head and ended up in like medieval times with King Arthur and. Well, the Holy Merle. Grail one was set in modern Merle. times. It was. Gotcha. Anyways. Yeah. Don't know. A little off topic, but. Uh, I don't know. Any other favorite parts of Firewalker? Uh, I'm just trying to think now, because okay. there's. The part the where five, he kicked that guy. One of the really, five what bar about, fights. What about when they walked up to that one bar? And there's just like four guys blocking their way in. So they sit there and they negotiate who's going to have to fight who. And then they <laughs> literally flip a coin and then just punch the guys out. And then just walk into the bar. There'll be no consequences to that. We just laid those guys out right in the street right in front of this place. <laughs> I enjoyed that. And the girl's like, oh, you guys. Like, <laughs> she has... <laughs> she got way too comfortable with the violence with these two. She did not care at all. I mean, it didn't didn't seem to phase her in the least. And she then she started like joining in on their like little games when she was dressed up as the nun and her and Chuck are like flirting on the train. I'm like that's a little uncomfortable, but then when they're being chased a few minutes later, so she strips out of her nun outfit to like trick that one guy into uh not killing her. And it's like She's right into this now. Like, I don't think she, this is her first adventure either. <laughs> uh, it was a super fun movie. It was, especially after River of Death, which, yeah, which Noah, maybe you watched them in the wrong order. Probably should have watched River of Death first, and then been like, I'm gonna watch Firewalker. This is probably gonna be terrible too. And then it turns out it's actually a fun movie. Well, I think the thing with me is like the whole time. Of- watching River of Death thinking like there should be a lot more kicking there should be a lot more kicking and then Canon Films is like don't worry we have some more kicking it's right over here (laughs) (laughs) so it worked out pretty that way that is the right order to watch these movies 
in the end, I think we all agree that the best Indiana Jones is uh, Lou Gossett Jr. I'd say so. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. I love Lou Gossett Jr. in this movie. I love the fact that he's a teacher, and every now and again Chuck Norris just reminds him that teaching's a shitty, shitty career that's boring, and you should really be an adventurer instead. (laughs) And if this was like a good semi-serious movie, it would end with him learning a life lesson and going back to becoming a teacher, but it doesn't. It ends with them stealing all of this treasure, and then cut to they're on the yacht that he's been saying he wanted. (laughs) Yeah, I love that, where... (laughs) He's like, well, what are you going to do if we get all this money? He's like, I'm going to buy a boat and sail around the world. And Chuck Norris is like, we're treasure hunters. We've been around the world. He's like, yeah, but not on a boat. He does. He literally <laughs> says, he's like, yeah, but we'll be able to stay in nice hotels and eat at good restaurants. <laughs> Places where you can go to the bar and not get punched. <laughs> like, it's great. Uh, God. And little to little do they know that the first bar they go to, the bartender is in fact their arch nemesis. So. <laughs> Gentlemen, we meet again. You know, you put more uh, Chuck Norris <laughs> movies on the list. I think we need some more Lewis Gossett Jr. movies on the list. Absolutely no complaints. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Um, all right. Well, while we were talking about treasure hunting movies, uh, we got a piece of feedback. Really? Came literally, in just now? Literally came in 15 minutes ago. All right. Is it about so, last week? I haven't really listened to last week's show yet, so I may have yeah. said something offensive that I'm not prepared to defend. Uh, it is about last week, but our, no our listeners are our great treasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we're always hunting for more of them. We can't find them, though. Ah. Uh, Imagine if Firewalker would have ended and there was no treasure. And there's just like a note that said, the friendship she made along the way was the real treasure. <laughs> be amazing. <laughs> and it would have made a lot more sense for them to be able to carry that note out of the jungle with no transportation <laughs> than those bags upon bags of gold. Right. Uh, uh, so our good buddy Brian uh, wrote in. He says, it's great to hear the soothing sounds of Doug telling Noah his movie picks suck. While Brian hilariously laughs in the background. Indeed, one of my favorite things. Hope you all had a fantastic holiday season. And here we are, full speed ahead on this runway runaway train called 2021. Which, if it keeps up at this pace, you might as well call it 2020 Part 2. Uh, America really knows how to kick off the new year. Great to hear you guys finally got around to Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Yes, Street Fighter is a pile of garbage. And Mortal Kombat is awesome. Uh, very dated, but one of the very, very few examples of a video game movie done right, considering the era and constraints I had to work with. Uh, I would recommend checking out the web series Mortal Kombat Legacy. Different take on the characters and story, but a pretty good watch. Also, I'd recommend you check out Pete Holmes' Street Fighter Red Tape sketches on YouTube. They are absolutely hilarious. You guys should do a bad video game movie month. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, hell, you could you could do three months of Uwe Boll and 
Paul Thomas Anderson movies. I think he means Paul W.S. Anderson. Um, except the first Resident Evil, that one was pretty good. Don't want to go too long with this feedback, so I'll stop here. As always, love the show, and you guys take care of yourselves. Noah, I'm glad you're feeling better, and a late congratulations on your recent marriage. Later. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't do a whole fucking month of UV bowl on inner <laughs> fucking row. No. I because it's it's different. You know I love bad movies, but his movies aren't bad movies. They're like fucking trash. Yeah. I just I don't know how to describe them. UV Bowl makes movies for people who fucking hate movies. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. I honestly don't even know how many I've watched. I may have only ever watched House of the Dead and was like, that's fucking terrible. And then never watched another one. That's fair. Like, if you watched House of the Dead, looked up the director, and then went never again, that's a reasonable (laughs) reaction to that movie. (laughs) Yeah. See, a bad video game month would mean, though, like, we'd have to watch Doom with The Rock. I don't know if that's any good. I never saw it. I've heard it's no. terrible. It's it's not good. <laughs> but it's not it's not like Yui Bowl bad. At least it has The Rock in it. He's inherently yeah. pleasant. And it does have, at the very end of the movie, there is a shot where all of a sudden it goes first person. And mm-hmm. The Rock's characters is like running through hallways, picking up shotguns, killing demons. Yeah. Which is pretty dope. It, it was a good shot. I've seen that shot, like on YouTube or wherever. And yeah, it looks like a shot from the old game. <laughs> so Clever. Um, Alright, so what did everybody watch? I watched Not Much Things. Uh, pretty much we've been watching uh, uh, Fresh Off the Boat kind of going back through that series since it's done it's really funny I like it never watched it There's, there isn't much to say about it it's the same it's kind of like the Goldbergs and all those other shows it's just about a Asian family living in suburban Texas but it's it's pretty the, the grandma is definitely the funniest fucking character where all of a sudden, because she speaks like only Cantonese through the entire series with subtitles, and every once in a while she'll be talking to her grandson about like uh, whether or not Notorious B.I.G. killed Tupac. <laughs> like, they're just such random fucking questions. She's like, Biggie didn't kill Pac. That was Suge Knight. <laughs> <laughs> But so it was worth watching. Uh, and then I finally finished season two of uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, I don't know. It kind of went out with a whimper. I, I, was, I was kind of expecting the Owen Hart episode to be more awful than it was. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose the weirdest, the weirdest part about that episode was at the end where they're talking about how Owen's wife is kind of like shunned by the wrestling community for daring to sue Vince McMahon for negligently killing her husband. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's weird that, yeah, it's weird that some, one person can have so, so much power in an industry that somebody who's so clearly right can just be shunned for having the nerve to stand up to them. But that's how it is. Right. Well, the weird thing is they even say something about like the Hart family, I guess, even as kind of on bad terms with her. 
And it's because they all expected that after Owen died, that Vince McMahon would kind of, like, give them favorable treatment. Which, what a weird fucking thing. Yeah. What a weird what a weird thing to have as your main concern <laughs> when somebody you care about fucking dies. It's a strange thing, though, right? Because it's like, she wants Vince to admit he was wrong and give her money. And they're like, well, if he just gives the whole family money, he doesn't have to admit he was wrong. It's not that... Like, it's not as weird as it sounds. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. It's like, you should give us stuff because you killed our killed Owen. Well, okay. Just one person wants to go about it one way and one person wants to go about it in a different way. Right. In which, I don't know, it sure seems like she did get a bunch of money, but it sure seems like her entire crusade was just she just wanted some admittance that they were wrong. And I'm not not trying to, like, badmouth her. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. Right, 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 right. Obviously, like, like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't begrudge a widow who goes after the people who she feels are responsible for her husband's death. Uh, I really thought, so, skipping skipping over the Owen Hart episode and the the Chris Benoit double episode, Mm -hmm. I think my favorite episode of that season is the one about... uh, Oh god, I'm gonna forget his name too. The the guy who did who was running the uh UCW. Oh yeah, that guy. I can't I can't remember the his name for the fucking life of me, but I remember watching UCW and, and thinking, you know what, this is pretty entertaining, you know? <laughs> and liking it. He had good wrestlers and him interjecting himself as the bad guy in the storylines was kind of like ahead of its time and all that. But rewatching it and seeing his deliveries, especially toward the end, whenever he was like coked out of his mind and fucking (laughs) slipping away from reality. If you give that guy 10 more years of life without him burning out and making bad business decisions, He's Paul Heyman. I, 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 I legit, I legit think that that's true. I think that he he becomes this superstar in the wrestling industry if just given enough time. I don't know. So I thought that I, I thought that episode was especially sad, where it's like he just keeps making bad decisions, fucking booking a giant fucking arena without like pre-selling tickets. That shit's crazy. Uh, Herb Abrams. Herb Abrams, yeah. I was a big fan of the uh, David Schultz episode, the guy who s- slapped the shit out of John Stossel. I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, Doc- <laughs> Dr. D. Yeah. How it seemed like he was on the cusp of being like a giant superstar and then did what Vince told him and then had to be fired for it and then pretty much ruined his career. I, I do find it ironic that his whole stance is I I did the thing that everybody expected me to do and got punished for it and then like a year later they broke kayfabe anyway yeah yeah well yeah there's a lot of that that goes on where we praise people for being a certain way in our society 
and then they cross that line just the tiniest little bit and we act like we're all shocked and offended it's like but that's the reason that person's famous you know you see a lot of that with like shock jock radio guys and stuff it's like well they're famous for being offensive and then this time we don't like what they said so their careers ruined and we act like we didn't love everything about them being offensive yesterday Right, they say a thousand racist things, and then the first time they get called out on it. Yeah. Uh, the episode about New Jack and how fucking just insane that man is. I, I don't I, understand how he's not in jail. I, I can't. <laughs> well, and just how fucking unrepentant yeah. he is for some of the things he did. Yeah. Like, it's and I get, insane. I get that not all of it is is his fault that you know they kind of turned him into a monster but but once you recognize that you're the monster like it's your job to be like okay i gotta stop doing that yeah i mean that not probably not admit on camera that you legitimately tried to kill somebody by throwing them off a scaffolding out to outside of the ring right right he was like i tased him and then i just chugged him off and it's like and he didn't know it was coming and i was like what the fuck man He's like, yeah, he hit the ropes, but I, I was trying to throw him outside of the ring. So it was like a fluke that he lived. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I was. So weird. I always thought that that was just a botch that he just threw him a little bit too far. You know what I mean? Because well, he did yeah, catch the well, tables. Technically, it was a botch because he was didn't land where he was trying to throw him. But that saved the guy's right, life. Right, but it's a botch. It was a botch in the wrong direction. That's what <laughs> right. I'm saying. Yeah, right I know. There. I thought he accidentally threw him a little bit too far, but apparently he was legit trying to kill that guy. <laughs> Fucked up. It, it's, yeah. That, I remember, like, I'd seen that clip hundreds of times, you know? It's in every video. And I assumed botch. And not fucking attempted murder. That the guy admits to. So if he admit, like, don't authorities watch that show? Why don't they arrest him for saying that? And just be like, go to court and be like, here's the clip of him almost killing a guy. Here's the clip of him saying it was on purpose. And just play those two back and forth until the jury <laughs> says he's guilty. I don't get it. I don't. I don't either. I don't understand how the world works. Is there, like, when he starts stabbing that one dude, and you're oh, like, yeah. what the fuck? That's fucked. Well, and then there's the the episode that was about the brawl for it all. Yeah. And that was just, I, I don't know. Some, something about that whole thing is so fucking terrible. <laughs> well, it's just a stupid, stupid idea. Well, like, it was a stupid idea, and the fact that like Russo, to this day, just won't admit that he fucking destroyed all these people's careers. Yeah. Well, Russo doesn't really like to take blame for much. I, no. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because at the end they almost tried to like have him have a little bit of a come to Jesus moment where he's like, oh, you know, it's maybe it's a little hard to watch it now, you know, and it's like. Dude, like, these people got legit fucked up. And the fact that, what's his face? Uh, God damn it. Um, the guy who won it. Uh, uh, Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn. That Bart Gunn kind of, like, came off of this thing with a little bit of heat on him. Is is this underdog that just fucking came out of nowhere and won this thing. And then they benched him. And then they forced him to box a professional boxer. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? What in the the sadistic fuck? No, he, he, got, like, he, he got punished for being really good at his job. 
Yeah. Right. He got punished for winning the thing that they like. None of the people involved I, I just how don't to run a sporting event. This is, when you hear about the debate whether wrestling's a sport or not, this is proof that it, it really isn't. Because no matter how much how athletic what they do is and how hard and difficult it is and all that, at the end of the day, none of them knew how to handle it when you can't pick the winner. And they're like, well, this isn't the guy we wanted to win. And they're like, well, that's not how it works when it's a real sporting event. You deal with the fact that this is guy won and you run with that. And they just never did. They weren't prepared for that at all. And it's so weird that they even thought they could try. Well, especially since from Bart Gunn's perspective, he even went to him and was like, listen, I know this this other guy's the guy you want to push. Don't don't put me in there with him because I'm going to beat him. <laughs> and they were like, you're, you're not going to beat him. He's a collegiate wrestler. And it's like, that has nothing to do with boxing, you fucking idiots. Like... What is that? It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, the, the whole thing's so weird because I remember it happening and I remember thinking that it was weird that Bart Gunn didn't get a push. Because, I mean, he had a pretty, uh, a good look to him. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of looked like a badass. And then you didn't really think he was a badass because he wasn't a good person on the, the mic ever. I mean, that wasn't his, his strong spot. That would have been yeah. his partner in crime. Yeah. But coming out of Brawl for it all, he did have this like stone cold, I'm going to fuck you up <laughs> kind of thing going on. And, and that's great. Fucking turn him into a monster. Like start have him give him a monster run where he just can't be fucking beaten and you turn him heel a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get him a manager to do this talking, right? Like it's right. Yeah. Yeah. Get him, get him a Jimmy Hart or something. Yeah. Was this the episode where they, where they were talking about that Dan Severn was supposed to be in this. And he basically told them, if you put me in that ring, I will legit kill all of your roster. I think it was that one, yeah, because his his attitude was, look, I can't do anything to risk losing because I have to go back to real fighting and I need my reputation. So <laughs> I'm either going to kill these guys or I'm not going to be in it. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah. Man, the fucking the Bart Gun versus uh, Bradshaw fight. Oh, so good. Fuck Bradshaw. God, he that fucking. He clips him right on the jaw. So fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, Bradshaw, don't get back up. That is that is the <laughs> end of that fight. And he gets back up and you're like, oh, he's going to hit you again. <laughs> <laughs> and you cannot defend yourself, you stupid, stupid man. <laughs> and the, the, they point out that Russo came up with this whole thing just to make Bradshaw look like an idiot. <laughs> because he was running his mouth in the locker room. It's right. good because somebody should have. I don't understand why Bradshaw was ever allowed to be a big name in wrestling because I don't know who liked him and what, what good did he ever do. He was good in the Acolytes, the APA. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But that's, that. That, that's not a main event spot. That's a mid card. No, no, no. yeah, I was going to yeah. say, he was, he, was a, he was a big dude and his ring work was above par. Is what I would call it. You know what I mean? He's not like a superstar or anything, but but it was fine. Which makes him a good uh, foil for 
for people for yeah. like uh, somebody to give the inter intercontinental champion shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was his JBL character was a good heel, and I guess you kind of needed somebody like that to push like John Cena at the time because he was John Cena's big enemy. Like when they were fighting for the title. But yeah, I don't know. He's an idiot right. in real life. Yeah, I don't know. Just just the whole thing, watching those fights being like, oh my god. <laughs> None of these people. I was talking to, Char, Char was actually kind of watching that, and she's like, I don't get it, isn't it fake? And I was like, no, normally it's fake. But these idiots <laughs> decide to put them in. I was like, imagine going into a high school and, you know, people used to do the thing where they always tell the story of some teacher pulling out the boxing gloves and being like, oh, if you two are going to fight, then you're going to put on the boxing gloves and, and really fight it out. And it's like, but that's dumb. Like, nobody would yeah. ever really fucking do that because two high school kids would beat the fuck out of each other. And one of them would hurt the shit out of himself or the other one. That's the only way that that happens. And in a, in boxing, there's a reason why there's like weight divisions and, and measurements and stuff are important because you don't want to put a a 300 pound guy with a fucking extra foot reach in with somebody who weighs 200 pounds because they will fucking destroy them. Yeah, yeah, all well, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, it's just wild. I don't know that that whole thing was wild. It's because I don't, I don't think whenever I saw it happen, I don't think I believed it, any of it was real. I think I was like, "Now nah, this is all just a work." You know what I mean? I think I knew it was real at the time, like, but like I remember like going to watch the pay per views because back then, like, we'd go watch them at bars and shit because nobody had fifty dollars to rent them for home, and it was like you'd try to explain that to somebody else in the bar, and they'd be really hesitant to believe you. And they would think you were a mark for believing it was real. And it's like, no, no, this, like, I know the rest of it's not. This one match is kind of thing. And it was weird because they were like, I don't think so. So I don't think it even achieved what they wanted it to achieve, which was to, like, kind of prove who, that these guys were actually tough athlete type guys to kind of, like, regain the, the kayfabe kind of thing. I was going to say, I think the funny thing is, is I think it did the opposite because you watch those matches and yeah, it's two big dudes like beating the fuck out of each other. But because neither of them are like professional fighters, in instead, they both come off looking like tools. Yeah, they don't look good because they're not. That's not what they do for a living. Right. You can't do a lot of times, you know. One skill set just doesn't automatically translate to a different skill set. You know, that's all there is to do it. It's not, you can't switch somebody to a different job just because they're both kind of athletic based and assume they're going to be good at it. Well, I know they're filming uh, season three. Well, that's good. And I think I just saw a headline while we were recording that Steve Austin's going to be involved in season three in some, some way, shape, or form. So it'd be interesting. I wonder if they're going to talk gonna... about uh, talk about his him and Owen's wrestling match that fucked up his neck. Oh yeah, that's really interesting because I always wonder. Like, I mean, there's no point in wondering, but like, what if that didn't happen? Like, what could have come from Austin? Because that obviously affected the rest of his career. Look at how big he uh, was. Imagine if he could have wrestled. Like, if he could still be going, kind of thing. Oh yeah. 
here it is. I found it. He's gonna be yeah, he's gonna be on season three, uh, but he's actually gonna be on an episode about uh, Brian Pillman. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. So. Apparently, I've heard that uh, they're not doing an episode on China. They're just not gonna. Well, because they would have to it. admit she became a fucking porn star and strung out on drugs and died. Yeah, but I don't. I, I think, think even would be... for, I, I think even for Dark Side of the Ring, they don't want to go into that. Yeah. I think I mean, they would do it if they if it didn't mean it would cost them their WWE inside uh, access. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that's too far. It's, it's Vice, and Vice goes into some dark places. Yeah. I just wonder if they think there's just no story there. It's like, yeah, it's sad, but there's not know. like a. a a through story through the whole thing. It's just a, she's just I, a broken person that was broken from the beginning, and it's yeah. it's really really sad. Well, and like the porn thing, I there's there's this issue with uh, whether or not sex work is is bad. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm actually firmly in the camp of sex workers have every right to just do whatever the fuck they want with their own body. So like nobody, nobody gets to tell them not to do that. Now there is a problem with like pimping and abuse and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's bad. But, but as far as somebody wanting to do porn, if they want to do porn, they should just be fucking able to do porn and nobody should give them shit for it. But in her particular case, it's like, but was she doing it? because she wanted to do it or was she doing it because she was all fucked up yeah and that's the thing is like she was a a broken person who just like there's literally i've watched interviews with her where she's like bawling her eyes out because she's not in the moment she's not famous and she's just saying like when you're famous that means you're special and if i'm not on tv then i'm not special so she's doing things like porn because they'll let her be in something like just for the sake of look, no, 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 people will watch this. And then she's just, like, desperately clinging for attention like that. It's not like... Mm-hmm. It's not a happy story about somebody who achieved their goals. It's a sad story about somebody who was so desperate for attention that they were willing to do things that they didn't want to do and willing to degrade themselves in ways that... Right. Like, there's porn of her being screwed by a guy dressed up as Triple H. Like, that's not okay. All right, that's not... That's not something that a healthy person goes out and does as part of, you know, a, a strategy for financial independence or something. It's. I mean, she also did a porn. I do believe it was called Queen of the Ring. That is basically just a uh, two-hour gangbang <laughs> of China. All right. Yeah, she, also, she, she also did an Avengers parody where she played She-Hulk. So. She did. She's She-Hulk. Okay. That, that parody? Pretty fucking funny. Uh, all right well besides porn what else did you watch uh no i think i think that's it i'm kind of hoping season three maybe they'll do the story about uh danny boy's back getting fucked up and basically wcw destroying his entire life over one dumb mistake yeah possible but who knows What'd you watch, Doug? Um, well, similar to you, I went. I stayed on the the TV shows rather than going down the traditional movie route for our discussions. But uh, 
I decided it was about the time I got caught up on the show Spaced that ran in 99 oh, and 2000. Yeah. It's one of my you favorite know, shows. I'd never seen it until this week. And I'm just like, maybe I'll watch one episode of this. And then I watched one episode and I'm like, maybe I'll watch all of what's available to me. So <laughs> two full seasons done. Um, yep. Which are, there it's, is. A, it's a British show. So they're, they're shortened seasons. I think like eight or nine episodes each, but uh, seven a piece. I always say they're 14 perfect episodes. Like that's, this is a perfect example of why you don't need 22 episode seasons. Yeah. Because I don't feel like there's a filler episode I, in the entire run. I watched there, there's, all of them in a week, so I'm clearly on your side here. Yeah, there, there's some stuff that's dated. The Matrix episode is probably my least favorite one, but yeah, no, there, I mean, there's stuff. it's a, a show that makes a lot of pop culture references, and so depending on who you are, certain pop culture things are going to hold up better for you. I personally, I loved the running storyline of the fact that season two is supposed to be set uh, 18 months after Phantom Manus came out and everybody's so divided on it that they're like, when somebody, <laughs> when somebody literally asks you what you think of it, you try to figure out what answer to give in order to make sure like, like at one point he's applying for unemployment and she asks him what he thought of the Phantom Menace and you can see he's like, ah, do I, what do I tell her here? Cause he's got to give her the right answer. Cause it's whether or not he's going to get his unemployment. <laughs> and I love that. Like just running joke. So, I just love that he got fired for yelling at a kid because the kid was into Jar Jar. <laughs> it's hilarious. And then like, he's so defeated when he gets hired on at the, uh, the opposing comic book shop. And he's like, has to answer the phone and give them a list of the Jar Jar stuff that they have. <laughs> he's just so just upset about it. It's just, uh, have you ever I've seen not. this, Noah? I, I have not, but it sounds delightful. It I'm is just... amazing. My, well, my, my problem with British TV shows is it seems like they either end up being one of my favorite fucking things, or I get three or four episodes in and I'm like, what in the fuck is wrong with British people? No, no, like... no, no. Here, let, let me sell it for you, Noah. Okay, it's a 14-episode it's a TV series, two seasons, uh, created by Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg and uh, Jessica Dwyer, what, what, whatever the chick's name is. I forget her name. Okay. And it's the thing they worked on before they made Shaun of the Dead. All and right. Shaun, Shaun of the Dead legitimately comes out of an episode that they did where Simon Pegg's character stayed up all night playing Resident Evil and then goes to this art gallery and thinks he sees zombies everywhere and has like a giant, <laughs> giant freak out. Yeah. And they're like, we could make a, a zombie movie. And that's sort of where it came from. Yeah, and you can definitely, like, what was super fun about watching this now, you can see the building blocks of Shaun of the Dead and of uh, yeah. Hot Fuzz and stuff like that. Like, all that early work that these guys did together. You can see that forming, the, the repetitive nature of the humor and the, all that kind of stuff. Just the way they speak and the way they have their own little isms between the, the group. Um, yeah. Really, really works well. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's an amazing watch. You should definitely watch it. No, yeah. I think you would love it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. So the, the, the whole premise, the whole premise of the show is that like Simon Pegg is get gets kicked out by his girlfriend while he's like looking for apartments. He meets a girl that's looking for apartments, and they pretend to be a, a married couple so that they can rent this apartment that has a rule that they'll only rent to a professional couple, which is inherently funny because it's. A, 
when you realize that everything in the show is a reference to something you're like oh the whole premise of the show is fucking three's company that's funny <laughs> like it's <laughs> but it's it's so chock full of like i guess I, I'm, I'm worried about spoiling things for you but at one point they go to a dance club and they're all like high and drunk and they're all dancing and shit and all of a sudden you realize they're dancing to the fucking A-Team theme song just like <laughs> put to like electro music and it's like what the hell is going on here but it's yeah. all it's just it's that always yeah and it's yeah you would you would love it I think it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. Simon Pegg's like the main character him and the girl who live together Jessica Hines by the way okay. uh, and his and Simon Pegg's best friend of course is played by Nick Frost yeah. who Whose life goal is to get into the military? So and, it's so fucking. And, weird. and we all know what Nick Frost looks like, right? So it's like, yeah. <laughs> maybe not the guy that the military is looking for. Let's put it that way. Yeah. He's got um, like a giant. Uh, he's got a mustache the whole run of the show too, and he's just—it's like he's trying to look like a cop but failing. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say with the British stuff. Like I've watched uh, the IT Crowd from yeah. start to finish probably eight times just because it's just as fucking funny every time i watch it i've been debating but, that one but then like i show like the mighty boosh which everybody seems to fucking love i fucking hate it i don't it's not funny it's not interesting i don't i don't get it uh by the way Noah, this is spaced is on amazon prime okay sweet so you should watch it um and it's it's it, i don't know it's just so funny like they have an entire episode where the girl uh, goes to work at like a restaurant, and the entire episode is built around the movie One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Like, if you watch it, you're like, "Oh, here's all the characters from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest," and they totally just like rip it off that you know she's like washing dishes, and they just like you know do a lateral like, "Oh yeah, this could be an insane asylum." That's how crazy all these people are. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's yeah. I was gonna say, Doug, if you haven't watched the IT Crowd, that's you should get on that because yeah, when whatever website I was looking at reading up about Spaced, it said if you like this, watch the IT Crowd, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should. The IT Crowd is like piss your pants funny, and it's funny in a way that is difficult to explain. Like, I, I, especially to a normie, I couldn't explain to, like, a normal person why fucking IT crowd is so fucking funny. just is. It just is. Like, so the, the entire show revolves around three people who work in the IT department in the basement of this big corporation. I and guess you've that got, much. Yeah. You, well, and you've got the two guys who are actually the IT workers who are just complete fucking doofuses. Like, and one of them is like a gross, dirty nerd, and the other one is a weird, socially awkward brain nerd, basically. And then you've got the chick who works in the IT department that's their manager who knows absolutely fucking nothing about IT. And, and all of the humor comes from there and bubbles out in various ways. There's, there's an episode where the manager is trying to get a new job being a, uh, I can't remember what they call them. Basically the person whose job it is, is to entertain the people who are coming to make deals with the corporation by taking them out to strip clubs and that kind of stuff. Okay. You know what I mean? To, to put them in a good mood, but she's, she's trying to be ultra feminist and she doesn't want to do all that stuff. So instead she gets Moss to run a game of dungeons and dragons for them. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's, I, just, it, I just checked, and that's on Netflix here, so I might get around to it. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it, like I said, it's insane. And then, if, like, I can't remember. I think it's like either halfway through the first season, or it's not till the second season that you find out that there's actually a third guy that works in the IT department, but he's a goth guy, and they put him in charge of the servers and he's just been in a back room the entire time because <laughs> they don't want to talk to him that's funny i like that yeah that's also realistic and sad but oh my funny. god so some of some of the jokes in the show are things like uh they're walking back from their lunch break and they end up next to a bomb and there's a bomb disposing robot trying to get rid of the bomb in the they're both standing there paralyzed with fear and they can't run away. And they're trying to shout IT suggestions to the guy who's running the bomb disarming robot. And he's like, I don't know. It's, it's not working right. And the guy goes, well, what operating system is it running? And he goes, Oh, let me check windows Vista. And he goes, we're going to die. <laughs> Fucking Vista. <laughs> Um, going back to space for a quick second. Yep. I would recommend picking up the uh, DVD set. Okay. Um, it has, because I own it, and I've watched through it like 20 times. Uh, it has an homageometer um, function. So you could just turn it on, and it's basically subtitles that when they make an homage to something, it'll tell you what it's from. <laughs> because there's a lot of like British stuff that I didn't get the first time I watched yeah. it. I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that I don't get. Yeah. And then they have like a 90 minute documentary about, about the series. Cause I mean, it was out for a while before they finally released it in the United States because they had to clear so much music and you know, whatever, whatever clearance stuff they Sex had jokes to and stuff. Probably. No, none of that stuff is just. There's so much references that they use the actual like music or something that they had to clear it all before they could release it. So by the time it was released, like the show had been off the air for like a good four or five years, maybe. And uh, yeah, it was released they, here. Like they were known quantities at that point, right? It was like post Shaun of the Dead, right? Oh yeah, I think it was after uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh okay. And. Uh, and uh, they have like a ninety-minute making of, and they go back to like the apartment building they shot in and stuff. And the funny thing is, while they're they're shooting, because it's like uh, Jessica Hines and Simon Pegg, and they're like walking around the building inside, you know, talking about, oh yeah, this was such and such room because it looks completely different now. And then someone someone comes up and they're like, there are people outside taking pictures of the building. It happens all the time. People just come to take pictures of this building because it was sure. the spaced building yeah. it's a simon Pegg looks at the girl and he's like how much would it fucking blow their minds if we just walked out the front door right now so of course they totally do yeah <laughs> that's awesome so yeah and then you kind of get like a little follow-up like well where things would have ended up like they do a quick like two minute follow-up at the very end of the documentary so sounds fun so, I'll, like i'll definitely be watching this show again in the future yeah. so i might be worth it to pick that up yeah it's fantastic so noah your homework is to watch 14 episodes of the space before next week <laughs> i'll see what i can do 
I'm going to rewatch it now just because you brought it up. Now I want to rewatch it. We should almost just do a show on it. We'll put it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to rewatch it. Just give me a couple of weeks. You know? <laughs> uh, what else did you watch? Um, not a lot else. I got around to the uh, David Arquette documentary that you guys uh, have both recommended oh, yeah. to me. You cannot kill David Arquette. Uh, That's fucking weird. I didn't know all this shit about him. Like when you guys told me this, you guys told me about this documentary and I'm like, okay, like he goes into wrestling, but I didn't realize how deep he went into it. And I, oh, like, yeah. like I, I didn't realize that he like was full on like touring on the indie circuit at one point. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, I don't, I'm surprised by that. The documentary yeah. itself, I have to say it's, it's a bit of a fluff piece kind of documentary it's not really a, a hard-hitting one which is like it is and it seems like some of the stuff is clearly like they're like hey if you're going to do this wrestling thing why don't we make a documentary about it and he's like okay i'll act all weird during the interviews and he's clearly performing during those interviews at times but then you see him in the ring like doing the fucking real wrestling and you're like oh shit look at that i see i i i think you might be reading too much into that because I've seen a lot of interviews with David Arquette, and I think he might just actually be uh, a really weird, attention-needing person. That's just who he is. You point a camera at him, and he goes into weird David Arquette mode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, at one point, he's like holding a Kanye West puppet. He had to go get that. Like he wasn't just holding that. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's he knows he's going to be interviewed. He had to go get that. He obviously now, okay, that all fits into what you're saying is that obviously his personality is just desperate for attention at all times, and he really you know it's almost the happy version of what we were just talking about with China, where he 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 is doing sort of the same thing she was doing, where it's like oh you're not in the spotlight anymore. You desperately go seeking something else. He just did it in a healthier way, yeah. um, and was more successful at finding happiness through it. But, but I, I feel like there is some legit stuff where he's got this stigma attached to him because of the yeah. WCW thing, and there is stuff that plays out like at the very beginning when he's like trying to talk to the guy from the Nasty Boys, like, "Come on, I'll come to your show. I'll sign autographs." And the guy's like, "Get the fuck away from me!" Like, you know. Yeah threads to punch him and shit <laughs> and it's just like fuck dude like your life is messed up and then he's yeah. like well i'll show him yeah i think i think there's definitely uh like i, I think this story they tell is true i just mm. think they emphasize the portions they want to emphasize and tell it in a way that's you know yeah. almost it, it's debatable whether something like this should be called a documentary when the people making it clearly trying to tell this exact story and getting the people involved sure. to play along. But it's sure. still fun to watch. And like I say, it's, I still think the story is true. I don't think they're lying at any point in the story. I think everything that comes across as, as real and, you know, like you see him fucking doing the shit. And like, if you're me, when you're done watching it, you're like, I wonder how real this is. So you go online and you start watching David Arquette matches. And that's when you realize like, oh, there's like a lot of David Arquette matches on YouTube. Like he actually <laughs> does this. Like this is a thing. Like or, or did this. I don't know if he's still doing it. But it's like, Jesus. And like that hardcore match where he got seriously hurt. Oh, you're like, fucked. what the fuck are you doing? 
you have no business. And there's there's an element there too where it's like, why are people letting him do that? Like, there's yeah. got to be somewhere there has to be a responsible adult in the room, going, no, no, no. Like, you are not a, you are not a pro wrestler with years of experience in the hardcore ring. You don't do these things. But wrestling industry is not known for having that guy in the room. So. Oh, no. No, you you have the guys in the room that said if David Arquette shows up, I'm gonna fuck him up. Yeah, and the one like the one part of the whole documentary that I found like the saddest was the uh, the backyard wrestling stuff. Man, I forgot. It's been a while since I watched any of that stuff, and <laughs> yeah. I watched a whole documentary about it years ago. And it's that that stuff makes me real sad. Those guys are putting their lives on the line, quite literally, like the shit they do, and they're doing it in front of seven people. It's like I guess now at least they have YouTube channels for it and stuff. But like I remember back yeah. in like the late '90s and stuff when that would have been rare, and people were doing this stuff. And you're just like, don't, don't break your spinal column to impress your neighbor and your neighbor's little brother. It's not worth it. Like it's, yeah. We did we did a little bit of uh, backyard wrestling, but we never did any of the moves that can like, well. I won't say I won't say any moves that you can get hurt on, but none of the ones that like put you in significant risks. Yeah. So no, no power bomb, no pile drivers, no yeah. DDTs, nothing, nothing where somebody could snap their neck. Yeah, and, I, and I get, like, I get like young people do dumb shit. I do get that, and like, yeah, like I used to wrestle with my buddies, and probably we did shit that if I saw the kids doing it now, I would try to stop them, right? Like, it's... I would be like, no, no, no. Like, that's... Don't do that. That's not a good idea. And, you know, we would think it was funny if somebody got hurt as long as it wasn't the kind of hurt that you had to go tell parents about. Um, but I do... Like, it's just one of those things where, like, I used to think that was kind of cool, and now I think it's real sad, because you're just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're, you're going to get hurt. It's almost inevitable. You know? At one point, like, the ring they're using starts to collapse because it just wasn't put together right. And it's like, you were doing those moves on there. Like, don't. <laughs> yeah, but come on. He gets his... Uh, and I know you're not being negative on it. I'm just saying. He gets his uh, Miss Elizabeth by the end. And that's not the most heartwarming thing ever. <laughs> it's... Again. Oh. Nothing su- like the fact that the the Miss Elizabeth you're referencing is his wife, and that she's the executive producer of the documentary is like okay. So all that Miss Elizabeth stuff got edited in so that they could have her come out at the end, and, and good on them. I'm glad that they did that because that looked like it was fun. And if I was going to be a wrestler, I'd want a chick like that walking the ring. Me too. But <laughs> come on, Doug, just buy into the kayfabe of the documentary. <laughs> it's just. It was super fun to watch, and I think the story is very interesting, and they did a good job telling it. Um, I also think that when you watch actual David Arquette trenches on YouTube after, you realize that the like four moves you see him learn in the documentary, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's, that's... Hey, come on, wasn't the, wasn't the stoplight Lucha Libre like awesome? Yeah. I wish I was at a stoplight and people just break out into a wrestling match. That'd that be was fantastic. I'd be amazing. I'd tip them way more than the people who try to wash your windshields. Remember that trend? Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, like the idea that you're just like get stop stop at a red light and a wrestling match breaks. Can you imagine 
if that happened and then the guy that walked up to you was like David Arquette, you're like, oh, yeah, here's my 45 cents. I'm sorry about your life. <laughs> uh, uh, never... Didn't you used to fuck Courtney Cox? <laughs> no money for you. Uh, did you ever hear the uh, story about David Arquette showing up on Loveline back in the day? Uh, it's a show Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew were on, the radio show. Okay. And people would call in and ask, you know, advice questions or medical questions, and they would tell them. But it was actually pretty hilarious because, you know, Adam Carolla would just riff on shit, and Dr. Drew would try to give real advice, and Adam would be like, no, 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 this is what you need to do, and then give some horrible advice. But So they'd have celebrities on all the time. And one time, Adam Carolla was going on a giant rant about nutty celebrities and how... You know, uh, they're nutty. Like, he's talking about, like, Rose McGowan and stuff. And then he said something about uh, David Arquette. Like, that dude's, uh, you know, he's nutty. Like, he's, like, king of the nuts and just went on some tirade about him. And someone's like, dude, like, he could hear this. <laughs> and Adam Kroll is like, he's so stupid. He couldn't even find the studio. So they're doing the show because the show's like, two hours long. And apparently about 20 minutes later, the door gets kicked in and in walks David Arquette. He's like, can't find the studio, huh? Jesus. And Adam Carolla is just like, what? How did you? But, and David Arquette thought it was hilarious. So he just came and sat down and just sat in for the rest of the show because, you know, that's what you do. And Adam Carolla had nothing but nothing. Like Adam Carolla was telling this story on like another episode, like years later. And he's just like, look, I give him credit. He's got a good sense of humor. So, get on. But that does fit into I need attention. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. The guy obviously has something wrong with him where he needs attention more than other people need attention. And not in, like, even a regular celebrity kind of way. Mm. But I guess he's managed to get focused enough that he doesn't need to be institutionalized or anything, so good for him. As long as he's not hurting anybody. Yeah. Well, he's allowed to hurt people a little bit now because oh, yeah. he's a wrestler, so... <laughs> That's... Mm. It is weird. There was yeah. one moment, this is just a weird off-topic thing, but when I was watching the clips on YouTube after to see if he could really wrestle, there was one of him... It was Jake the Snake talking about David Arquette, so I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta hear that, right? And it was just one of those moments where I'm like, oh, that, that, I shouldn't have watched this because Jake Snake doesn't understand at all what he's watching happen. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, it's like, I'm watching this, I know exactly what's happening, and Jake doesn't. And that's depressing because I was just going to assume that he knew a lot more about wrestling than me. <laughs> but he's like, it's the clip of where he gets like stabbed in the neck and he leaves the ring and then he comes back in mm-hmm. and ends the match and then storms off after. Yeah. And Jake's talking about it. Like he must've got screwed over and that's why he stormed out of the ring like that. And I'm like, no, he's bleeding profusely from the neck. He was about to storm off to the hospital, but he has just enough heart to jump back in the ring and finish his match, which good on him. Cause I wouldn't. Right. Yeah. And he no. went in there and he just did, whatever he needed to do to get the pin done, which is what wrestlers do, which is weird. 
but that's what they do. You know, guys with broken necks still fucking finish the match, like you mentioned, Austin and uh, fucking Owen Hart. Like, yeah. you remember he had a broken neck, and that match still ended the way it was scripted to end because that's just what they do. That's just their instinct. Yeah, um, one of the one of the worst roll-ups ever. It was just, terrible, just be- but just because that's all you can do. Yeah, but that's they needed it to end that way. And that's what they do, and that's what Arquette did. And this is he just, you know, got back in, did one move, took one medium bump, got pinned, and stormed the fuck out. But it's so obvious that that's what happened, and it made me sad that Jake couldn't see it. <laughs> it's not really relevant. It's like no. some comments Jake the Snake Roberts made on Joe Rogan like years ago. But <laughs> Jake, that dude's a mystery. He's he's complicated. <laughs> like, Even when he's at his best, it's still a mystery. I know, it's like, well, because he's at his best, and you realize, oh, like, because back when you watch, like, Beyond the Mats, like, oh, so it wasn't just all the booze and drugs, it was just kind of fucked up, too. Like, in, in some ways, it's like Arquette that way, where you're just like, oh, he's, he's like, as weird as his public persona makes him out to be. <laughs> and it makes you wonder, like, all these other people in Hollywood that do weird, fucked up shit, like, oh, are they just like that at home? Is that what happens? Like, <laughs> I was going to say, Jake Jake kind of falls into the same uh, purview as, like, Roddy Piper of, I like listening to him talk, I like listening to him tell stories, but every story that they tell you have to go, is this true? I don't think it's true. Like, yeah, I, think it's, I, th- I think this is just another story you're making up. And it's, both those guys, as well, I, I think you could put them on a lie detector test and they would pass it. Like, they believe the shit they're saying. <laughs> I just don't know if that makes it true or not. Yeah, I went and saw Jake the Snake at a comedy club, and he just told wrestling stories for like an hour and a half. Yeah. And if you just go ahead and assume those are true, you're going to have a lot more fun. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Which is which I, is great, because I love Jake the Snake, and I, yeah. and I loved Roddy Piper. I just, I also, especially with Roddy Piper, like, I recognize the fact that I love him, and I, I and I recognize the fact that that dude just fucking lies out of his ass yeah. about weird think, stuff too. I don't even think he does. I think he just believes the story that he's telling. Maybe he's just told it so many times that he's forgets the truth or whatever it is. But yeah, I went and saw him at a comedy club as well. I was gonna go see McFoley do do one of these, but. Uh... COVID hit and all got canceled. Uh, I was going to go see Hacksaw one time, but one mm-hmm. of my buddies canceled on me at the last minute, so then I ended up not going because it felt weird to drive downtown and go to a bar by myself and listen to Hacksaw Jim Duggan talk. I was, I was same a thing big Hacksaw Jim Duggan fan. So the same thing happened with McFoley. is like a different buddy, but canceled. And I'm like, oh, oh. well. So I've given up. I'm just never going to try to go see a wrestler speak again. Uh, I actually met McFoley twice. Like it wasn't a speaking thing. He was, we have a we have a minor league hockey hockey team here in Peoria, and they used to have nights where they would bring wrestlers to sign stuff. So I would just buy a ticket, go have a wrestler sign the shit I wanted signed, and then leave. Like I, because I'm not a big hockey fan. I know that's yeah, blasphemous to Doug, but no, that's, that's even blasphemous, dude. Live hockey's great. Yeah, so but after you minor, minor league hockey's almost better because those guys are. They're willing to do anything because they want to make it, right? Yeah, they yeah they will fuck each other up. But after you've seen it like a billion times and the team's no. not really that good, you just kind That's of like, eh. Um, so I met him there once, and then I met him. 
I met him at a convention, a comic book convention. Uh, my friend Randy does this thing where he has people draw him monkeys. He calls it the monkey project. He's really into like art and stuff. And he thought like, well, if I'm getting like a, like a quick sketch from somebody, I should probably ask for something fun. So he just started asking people for monkeys and he has like this enormous collection, big enough that a local art gallery in town set up a display for him. And they had like a big opening night and stuff. People just came and looked so at them all. He just goes up to people like at conventions, stands in line with everybody else. But when he gets the front, instead of signing this, can you just draw me a monkey? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I fucking love yeah. that. And he, he D- mails. D. Schneider's <laughs> monkey is dope. Yeah. He, he mails off to people he wants and asks them, and then they'll send him one. He has a Betty White monkey that is pretty amazing. She's actually a really good artist. That's oh, outstanding. Uh, I love he's, this. he's got like a, a J, J and Bob did him one, of course. Uh, he got one from both of Tenacious D. Like, yeah, so he'll just go up to random people. So we were, we were at this comic book convention, and he's like, I'm going to go ask Mick Foley if he'll draw me a monkey. And there was like nobody at his table. Like, it was, it was one of those weird lulls where people were kind of either going to lunch or yeah. maybe it was getting ready to close or something. And so we walked up, and he's like, hey, man, uh, is there any way I can get you to draw me a monkey? And then he he always has, like, the best of at, at, at ready, so he could just flip through it and be like, see, all these awesome people have done it. So so they yeah. know it's like, oh, okay. And Mick Foley's like, man, I don't know. Like, I'm not a very good artist. And, and Randy's like, that's okay. Sometimes it's even better. And uh, he still didn't, wasn't sure he wanted to do it. And McFoley looked at him. He's like, look, earlier a guy wanted me to draw a panda. And I did. But he ended up being kind of a dick. And Rand- Randy looked at McFoley and he said, the guy or the panda? And <laughs> Mick Foley cracked up. And he's like, okay, yeah, just give me the book. I'll draw you a monkey. <laughs> so we just stood there and ch- Added with him while he drew this horrible looking monkey out. I, I love yeah. Randy's art project. That's I wish I wish I yeah. did shit like that, but I won't ever do anything like that. I feel I've told a little him suspicious he... that Panda Guy heard of the monkey project and was like, <laughs> I'm gonna rip this off, but with pandas. Pandas, exactly. It sounds like exactly uh, what happened. There's no way he had that idea independently. Uh, do you know who Alex Ross is, the comic book artist? Yeah. He does those like amazing paintings of stuff. Yeah. Um, Alex Ross is kind of a dick in real life. Okay. So Randy went up to him at a convention and asked him, "Hey, is there any way I can get you to draw me a monkey?" He even tells people like, "Look, I know right now you might not have time, but it, could I just leave this here? You could do it when you have time, and I'll come back and pick it up." Alex Ross looked at him like he had just asked him if he could fuck his wife, <laughs> and Randy's just like. Uh, so, and Alex Ross literally bent over, drew one of the worst monkeys I've ever seen. Like literally like a circle with like two semicircles, I guess for ears. And then just dot, dot smiley face. And then signed, stole my idea of how I would draw a monkey. Yeah. And then signed it underneath like his signature, which yeah, Randy usually had everybody do. And uh, Randy was like, look at this bullshit. And I'm like, no, you know what that is? That's the greatest thing in the world. Because what you need to do is you need to put that on a T-shirt and wear that around comic book conventions. 
just to piss off nerds that are like, Alex Ross is the greatest artist of all time. And then just wear it around and see how, how much hate you get for wearing it. You never did it. Though. It'd be great too, because people get pissed and then they'd be like, yeah, funny joke and be like, no, he, he drew this. <laughs> this is a legit. <laughs> this is what he thinks monkeys look like. <laughs> uh, did you watch anything else? Doug? I don't even know uh, where we're at. Uh, well, we were about documentaries. I don't know. The other thing I watched based on Noah's suggestion from last week was uh, We Can Be Heroes. Oh, yeah. Which is the yeah. spiritual sequel to Shark Boy and Lava Girl, because I was so fucking sick of Shark Dick and Lava <laughs> Bitch that I just needed to watch something else. <laughs> so now I've seen this one three times. <laughs> but it's actually much better. <laughs> it's Yeah, no, it's, I really thought it was adorable. It's it is, it is adorable. It's a cute little it's it's everyone says superhero movies are for kids no they're not this superhero movie is for kids it's specifically about the kids moving on it's got a little message in it about how the next generation has to learn to take responsibility for things because they're inherently going to be better than their parents and therefore they need to they're going to inherit the messages that their parents create and that they're going to have to figure out how to fix those up and it's like you know the most of the actors are surprisingly good considering they're all kids. Um, there's, you know, there's little plot twists that you and I would see coming a mile away, but kids don't know those are coming. Like, you know, my, my, my four-year-old watched it. He certainly didn't see those plot twists coming. He probably didn't see them coming the second time he watched it. Now he's got the film memorized. But it's, you know, cute kids trying to become superheroes to save their moms and dads who are, you know, and again, I think Noah mentioned this, but it's like, the moms and dads, a couple of them are played by famous actors. Shark Boy and Lava Girl are, I think, the only ones that come from an actual other story, but I could be mistaken about that. Um, so, yeah. Fun little movie, alien invasion movie. Kids got to figure out how to stop it. You guys want to know the spoiler plot twist? Brian, you, you haven't seen it yet. You want to know the spoiler plot twist? I've never even seen uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah. So. Well, the, the, big, the big plot twist in this one is that everybody's actually a good guy. So the aliens were just trying to help the kids learn the lessons that they need to learn in order to be better superheroes when they grow up. So gotcha. no bad, no bad guys. Nobody actually gets hurt because it's a little kids movie. But it's it's cute, and I, I actually enjoyed watching it, which is a very pleasant surprise. You can say that as a parent. <laughs> the funny thing is, I don't know. Do you guys know who played Shark Boy? Because whoever it is big leagued them, and they brought in a different actor, and it pisses my kid oh. off. And it's hilarious. Yeah, Tyler Lawton from the Twilight movies. Was oh, that who it is? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, like because what they did is they just slapped a mask on him for this movie, and he didn't have a mask in the first movie. Uh, that's not getting by my little boy. He's like, Dad, that's not really Shark Boy. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> like like you were saying to me earlier, but like just enjoy the kayfabe of the documentary. I'm like the same way with him. I'm like, but you just gonna have to look past that and enjoy the movie because it's no. Uh, I don't know what Dad, to tell you. There's an <laughs> imposter in this movie. A couple a couple of the jokes are, I don't know. They're they're pretty funny. Like the uh, the son of the speedster character, his son. They call him Slow Mo, yeah. and he's and he always moves like basically in slow motion all the time but the joke is that his superpower actually is super speed it's just 
he moved so fast that he dropped himself into some kind of weird time warp thing where now he's he's stuck going in slow motion and they keep joking throughout the movie about him being over dramatic and stuff wherever he falls because he's falling in slow motion but then there's a couple of times where it's implied he does do it on purpose he right to right, right. a little grin on his face it's yeah stuff like that is funny i like there's there's a little girl in it that I should hate that I don't. And she like her whole thing is that she sings and that's her superpower. And she can sing high enough that only dogs hear it, but, and she can sing on a low enough key that it makes things float, which makes no fucking sense. I don't think Hyper, but, hypersonic levitation. It's an actual thing. All right. I don't buy it, but <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Like, I feel like I should hate that character because of all the singing, but I actually find her quite pleasant movie and i think like she i think the act that actress actually gives a better performance than most of the other kids but um yeah i don't know i, I don't want to spend too much time on a kid's superhero movie but i, I you know, was pleasantly surprised by how much i enjoyed it it's have you ever seen uh have you ever seen sky high before no i haven't you should i should we should put it on the list well i mean it's it's kind of a kid's movie but that's fine that's fine uh, uh, How in depth might... we got when we tried to discuss the wizard? I think we can put kids' movies on the list, no problem. Oh, okay, that's true. I was gonna say it. It might be a little. It might not be age appropriate for Lando. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it. I think it, it's just about kids in high school, and I don't know if that would keep his attention. But it's uh, it's actually a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, it's got it's. Well, we could do it during Kurt Russell month. There we go. No, we can. Russell Month is fucking full, man. Now we'll 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 swap something out. Uh, yeah, it's Kurt oh, Russell. It's on ba- Disney Plus. Kurt Russell Which basically plays uh, Superman, and his kid is like the main character, but his kid has no powers, so he's kind of embarrassed of his kid. That's kind of so, funny. So they go to superhero, like essentially a high school for superhero kids, and. Uh, in this school, you're either training to become a hero or a sidekick, and none of the sidekicks have powers. Um, no, they have powers. They're just shitty powers. Or they're shitty powers, I guess, yeah. Uh, and uh, then it turns out, like, during, you know, the first couple weeks of school, this kid ends up having superpowers. They just hadn't activated yet. So then it becomes, like, well, he used to hang out, because they're very divided, Sidekicks and heroes don't mingle at this high school, so you know. That sounds like high school, yeah. Yeah, it becomes that sort of thing. The best thing, though, Bruce Campbell plays the gym teacher, and his name is Boomer. Coach Coach Boomer. Yeah. And basically, he can yell really loud. And uh, Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald, two of the kids in the hall, play teachers. And the uh, the principal is uh, Linda Carter, right? Think so. That sounds right. Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm watching this movie. And then, oh, it's uh, it's it's really good. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's a kids movie, but it's it's great. It's good. Yeah. Um, and then the bus driver is one of the guys from Super Troopers. Yeah. Barva. Officer yeah. Barva. Okay. So it's like full of people. It's it is a little. I mean, it's perfect for Disney Plus because it definitely fits into that Disney Channel kind of mold. But it is actually a lot of fun. 
Kevin so. Kevin fucking McDonald's character is probably my favorite thing. I probably like him even more than Bruce Campbell being in it. <laughs> Just because the first time you see him, they're in mad science class, and he pops up and he goes, Rays and beams! <laughs> These are the tools of the mad scientist. <laughs> I like that... Uh... What are they doing? Save the citizens? Is that like the obstacle course thing they're doing? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just like it's, it's just like some, a verse. It's their version of pickleball, basically. Okay. It's like a mannequin, like over like these like grinders, and you have to catch, you have to save the citizen before it falls into the thing. And Dave McDonald or uh, Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald are standing up there, they're just like, ah, remember when we used to use real citizens? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a fun movie. It's, it's definitely worth watching. Team uh, up with Zoom Academy for Superheroes. I think that's what's going on the list right now. So uh, Zoom better not suckers your guys' fault. <laughs> oh, Zoom's bad. <laughs> that's the one with Tim Allen in it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not good. I've never seen it. Um, did you watch anything else, Doug? No, I did not watch anything else. That's all I got. Um, so my friend that I'm trying to educate on movies came over this weekend. Um, and we... Facebook updates, and I was pretty excited. Yeah. <laughs> the last one I was like, oh, deep into the pool. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, yeah, we went through, like, four movies while he was there. Um, and he told me, like, last time he was over, uh, Sleepaway Camp, what's that? I'm like, you've never seen Sleepaway Camp? He's like, no. I'm like, do you know anything about it? He's like, No. I'm like, well, we're definitely watching that. To get to witness somebody see Sleepaway Camp for the first time, not knowing anything, that's a treasure. It's like watching a baby bird being born. <laughs> uh, so we watched that. Uh, it, it it wasn't as jarring for him. Maybe somebody in their mid-20s, it's not quite as uh, what the fuck is going on. But um, it was a lot of fun. He really enjoyed it. You know, it's just a fun slasher movie. I uh, did take a video of him watching the reveal at the end, but no big reactions. It's kind of a bummer. Uh, we followed that up with popcorn, which I hadn't watched in a while. Uh, kids putting on a uh, film festival at a local theater, and someone starts killing everybody off one by one. Uh, it's a lot of fun. If uh, nobody's ever checked it out before, it's definitely worth a watch. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Yeah? Uh, should get around to it. Yeah, it's good. I enjoy it. Um, and then he said uh, he saw my new Beastmaster set sitting on my table. And he's like, oh, Beastmaster, I've never seen this. And I'm like, well, now we're watching it. So get ready. So we watched Beastmaster. And it's Beastmaster. So, of course, it was fucking awesome. Um, he enjoyed it. He really enjoyed, like, the Conan movies when he came over before. So told him, well, if you like those, you'll definitely sort of fit right in with kind of what this is have doing. You, have you shown him uh, Red Sonia? Yes, that was part of our Conan yeah, night. Yeah. We watched the two Conan movies and then Red Sonia, and I'm like, this is basically Conan 3, but he's a side character and he doesn't call himself Conan. Um, so yeah, he liked Beastmaster. And then I'm like, well... Do you want to watch another slasher movie 
Or do you want to watch something that you're going to go, what the fuck? And then have weird dreams about tonight. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm up for whatever. I'm like, all right, what the fuck it is. So I showed him a video drone, which he had never seen before. And uh, yeah, got lots of what the fuck is going on out of him as we watched it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, wait, did he just put a gun in his chest? I'm like, he sure did. Right, right in his VCR chest vagina. Yeah. Okay. So you got to give people that warning when you show them video drum. Like, uh, several times throughout the movie, you're going to say, did he just? And the answer is yes. You don't have to finish your question. <laughs> how do you, tell me, how do you feel about VCR chest vaginas? <laughs> well, he hasn't watched a lot of David Cronenberg. And I'm like, well, Cronenberg does a lot of body horror. And then I kind of explained like what that kind of meant for a Cronenberg movie because he's watched Rick and Morty and he's so he's seen the Cronenberg world on there which is just weird fleshy stuff as you know alive mammals um so we watched this and yeah it was he was more he was more like oh he just put a gun in his chest and then like you know the story just goes on and he's like, wait, is he not concerned about getting that gun out of his chest? Because I think I would be concerned that I have a gun in my chest. Why? I mean, you, you put it there. It's not like somebody tricked you into having it there. Yeah. So I guess if you're new to Cronenberg, that wouldn't make sense. Did you, yeah. did you just look at him and go, this is the new Flash? <laughs> I just told him, I'm like, this is not going to be the weirdest thing you're going to see in this movie. So you may want to pace yourself. <laughs> yeah, real worked up over not that much yet. <laughs> I'm like, there's going to be lots of stuff that's actually put into this chest, so don't uh, don't focus too much on the gun in the chest. His biggest uh, problem is if he wants that gun out, how's he going to find it with all the other <laughs> stuff in there? He's like, if he goes to a doctor, how is he going to explain this? I'm like, I'm like, we're not even close to that being a worry at this moment. That's not coming up in this movie, sorry. <laughs> uh, so he finished that. He enjoyed it. He, he's just like, yep, uh, that was a weird, fucked up movie, but I had a good time watching it. So, Have you guys done a Phantasm marathon? No, I don't know if he's up for Phantasm yet. We're going to have to work our way there. And he might have seen one of them. I don't even remember. We've, we've discussed all kinds of things, and every time he says he hasn't seen something, I'm like... God damn it. Like, what do you do with your time? Obviously not watch good movies. So. You could throw some Lynch at him. Ooh, I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm ready for Lynch. No, because the problem is if he asks questions, you have to admit you don't know the answer to them. No, I, don't, I don't know. David well, Lynch doesn't even know. Yeah, I was going to say, the answer is that there is no answer. Yeah. That's the frustration. That's Char fucking loves Twin Peaks. Fucking oh, really? Loves it. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I don't mind it because as long as you're just taking it for what it is purely at face value, you can be like, this is weird. And I like all these actors, you know what I mean? But it's one of those, his work infuriates me that it makes you ask questions that you know, goddamn well, that there isn't an answer to. That's my it's, problem with it as well. It's, yeah. I always told people, whenever you first start watching David Lynch, you think 
that David Lynch is some kind of like brilliant dude that's putting in all this subtext that you're supposed to dissect and stuff. And it's like, no, it's not. It's it's David Lynch making fun of the audience. I mean, that's basically what he does. He makes weird shit and then laughs when you ask questions because there is no answer to that question. Yeah. I've tried to watch a couple of things of his before and I'm just, I'm not a fan. So it's, I, uh, I, I liked the first season. Yeah. I liked the first season of twin peaks. I watched the first episode of season two and was like, well, this is terrible. And then never watched the rest of it. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I kind of think we, we all kind of are on the same page of, I just don't, I, it's one thing for a movie to make you think. It's another thing for it to make you think and then not have an answer to give you. Mm. And I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's okay to like raise questions that you don't have an answer to, but it is not okay to create questions that you refuse <laughs> to answer. Those are two completely different things. Mm. Yeah. Um. I guess the other thing, get out of here. Uh, the other thing we've been watching is uh, The Gifted, which was a series on Fox that takes place in the X Men movie universe. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the first class universe. That would be the one that was still going when the show was on, so that's what I'm going to assume. Speaking of raising questions to which there is no answer. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, But it takes place, like, in modern day, so I don't know. Um, So I remember when the show was on, and I I was just like, I don't know. Like a show on, like a network series about the X-Men stuff, and I just, I don't know. I wasn't interested at the time, especially since the last couple movies were kind of bleh. Um, but it was on like super sale on voodoo. So I picked it up cause I'm like, yeah, why not superhero stuff? Maybe if I need like a superhero thing, I can just watch this. Cause it was only two seasons non- before it got canceled. Non animated superhero TV shows tend to breed disappointment. Well, I mean, I still like the CW stuff. So, um, so we started watching that and, uh, it actually, is really good, which I was surprised by. Um, they definitely play up the uh, um, mutants as like a uh, minority in America type thing. Yeah, um, there's, there's, because uh, I guess in this, like the X Men have disappeared, like they just left, which may fit in continuity because didn't didn't they just disband at some point and then Logan happened Jesus Christ right who's rifling through stuff sorry I was setting something on the floor sorry um, so they definitely lean heavily into that and it follows uh, mutants that work for the mutant underground which is basically helping mutants to escape to Mexico because there's a lot less uh, uh, laws and Not racism, I guess, but what would what would be the correct term? A lot less uh, hatred of mutants out of Mexico. Bigotry, so like 
Bigotry. Prejudice. Prejudice. That would be the word. Um, so they help people like sort of escape. And we start off following this family. The two of the kids turn out having mutant powers, and then they turn to the to the mutant underground to uh, help them escape to Mexico. But things go crazy, of course, and they're sort of our main characters that we follow throughout both seasons as they stick around and help out the mutant underground. Um, it's good. I really liked it. Season two. They are going up against the Purifiers, which is essentially like the KKK of mutants. They uh, completely hate mutants and, you know, just want to shoot all of them and whatever else. Uh, uh, (laughs) After the attack on the Capitol, the next couple episodes we watched had a lot of stuff that was very similar and very, maybe very uncomfortable to watch. Um, essentially all these rednecks with shotguns are, uh, running into, uh, clinics and stuff that are havens for mutants who can, you know, go to them for help or whatever. And they're basically just going in, shooting up the place and killing any mutants they can find. And yeah, it's kind of creeped me out after, after everything that happened. Um, but the show has been surprisingly well surprisingly good i actually really enjoyed it and i had a couple of my favorite characters i didn't even know were on the show so uh, that was pleasantly surprised but i think it was uh, we only got two episodes left and then we're done with it and i think it was unceremoniously canceled so my luck it's gonna end up on a cliffhanger i'm gonna be super pissed about it if that happens then i'll never watch it so let us know Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Doug, what are we doing next week? Next week, uh, we're doing vampires next week. So, The Hunger from 1983. Oh, yeah. Which I've never seen. So, see how that goes. And Innocent Blood from 1992. So. David Bowie is a vampire in The Hunger, which, I mean, of course that's like the wor- the worst kept secret. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't know it. I I haven't seen it, and I knew that, and I just assumed it wasn't a secret. I did, so. No, I'm just saying. Wait, David Bowie's a vampire? Like everybody knew that. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I've so seen yeah. it before. It's it's pretty good. Right. It has a reputation, and I'm just. I feel like it's one of those ones I should take off my list, but I'm making you guys do it too. Yeah. And Innocent Blood is one that I it's one that I keep reading positive things about online, but I didn't like it the one time I saw it in nineteen ninety two. So now I'm wondering if I was just mistaken or not. So yeah. that's how it ended up on the list. But, uh, John Landis. It is John Landis. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. I remember the main lady being naked for the first couple minutes of it. So I mean it's got that going for it. That's good. It's not the first vampire movie that we've watched just for the nudity on this podcast. So. That's true. But that was a, a horrible disappointment. So Yeah, well, what do you do? Hmm. And then other than that, if people can assume that next week we'll be talking about WandaVision a whole bunch because the first two episodes will be out by the next time we record. So. Yeah. WandaVision and then maybe a discussion about space if, if 
Noah lives up to his homework assignment. Yeah. We'll see. I do got two episodes of that WandaVision to watch. That's, it comes out well, we, we record this on Thursday nights so it comes out tomorrow and that's all I have planned for tomorrow <laughs> we're in full <laughs> lockdown mode here again I'm not allowed to leave the house so Gosh, I mean, hope, darn it. hopefully we get a double episode supposedly everybody else did uh, from what I've heard they're dropping two episodes I, I thought that was official so yeah. if they only drop one tune in next week to hear how pissed off we all are about it <laughs> I think they're only half an hour episodes, though, so... Yeah, it's still not going to fill my whole day. Yeah. Oh my god, they're only 30 minutes? I think I so, think yeah. So. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I was already sad that it was only supposed to be, like, fucking eight episodes. Now you're telling me it's eight 30-minute episodes. That's nothing. That's nothing. I need my I need my fix. I haven't had my Marvel here's... fix in a year. <laughs> You got to remember that, as, as frustrating as it is, that it's not longer. It's that's two movies. You would never get the storyline stretched out over two movies if they were actually putting them in theaters. So that's what's good about these series. Uh, it says nine episodes. Try to find the uh, link, but I don't see it anywhere on IMDb. Yeah, seems like I heard they were going to be thirty-minute episodes. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll be like The Mandalorian, where they're like 45. 30 one week, 40 the next week. Don't try to plan yeah. ahead. We're not telling you till it comes out. Good luck ever buying the rights to put this on regular TV, because how would you ever edit it into a regular show length when it's all different lengths? Oh, here we go. I do, I do find that model interesting of ignore the lengths and just whatever is the right size for that episode is right. <laughs> Uh, here I found something from Wikipedia that says WandaVision series consists of nine episodes with the first three episodes all approximately 30 minutes in length and the remaining six episodes having more varied runtimes, totaling approximately six hours of content. All right. So take that for whatever. So three short episodes and, and the rest are longer. All right. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I need it in my veins. My problem with this show is that my hopes are getting way too high for it. And I'm like, ah, that's going to disappoint me. I know that. I know how these things work. I should never be happy about anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering if, and this is all speculation, uh, like the uh, sitcom-y stuff, if, the, if they won't even break that there's something wrong until like three episodes. In. I like the idea of that. Yeah. Like the fact that the the first three episodes are thirty minutes long tells me that those can each be individual episodes of a sitcom that just happens to star these characters. And maybe we could have something like happening in the background that would imply to the audience that something's going on, but they don't actually tell us. Mm-hmm. Which I'd kind of be down for because I just want to see them. I'm I'm guessing the first three are going to be sitcom episodes, but they're gonna be different sitcoms so like oh, first, yeah, yeah. first episode's gonna be Leave it to Beaver second episode's gonna be something from the 70s yeah that's what I was basically saying yeah no. so hopefully hopefully we'll have some uh, positive reviews next week 
Hopefully. I'm sure we will. We're fanboys, let's be honest. <laughs> I just want to know if it's going to actually introduce uh, Mephisto or not. That'll be really interesting if it does. Mm. Yeah. So I've been hearing uh, they're trying to figure out ways to introduce mutants into the MCU, which, uh, as we've discussed, is not the optimal way to do it, but I don't know if they have a better plan or not. Wanda breaking the world seems like a pretty good way to do it. Mm-hmm. But my only problem is is I don't they they kind of fucked up doing the timing and it's not their fault obviously, but Infinity War already had the big break and reset of the world once. Yeah. If they if they just keep doing it, it's going to lose any type of effect. Uh, someone I saw posted a theory that they're wondering if the snap is going to help cause mutants that, you know, they were gone. And then when they were brought back, it did something to them to alter their DNA or something, which would then cause mutations. Yeah. I mean, they're probably all wrong, but I really, my favorite one. I really, really, really like this idea that it's Deadpool's fault. That, that, that the end of Deadpool 2, he jumped around in time all over the place and like shattered all the timelines. <laughs> it just absolutely fucked everything up and now it's going to cause the ones to smash into each other. The, the only explanation we get is in Deadpool 3. Like we never get an explanation in the Avengers or any of those movies. It's just... Deadpool 3 is just like, oh yeah, he fucked it all up. That's why all this stuff is happening now. I, I, I'm I'm a little excited that uh, Feige and them basically committed. They said Deadpool 3 is happening and it's rated R. And yeah. it's in the, in the MCU official. Yeah, I was like... See, I'm a little hesitant so, yeah. about it being in the MCU official. I... Yeah, I think it'll be fine. Like, like I kind of like the idea if, he, if his movies would just run alongside and now that he's part of the part of the club they can always just have it like they can have characters pop up as necessary but they don't necessarily need to have it be kind of canon no see i think i think it should be it should be canon but they should kind of leave him in his own sandbox for his movies if that makes sense and then you can kind of work it in a little bit of easter eggs like while the avengers are dealing with something you know if you're paying attention to the background there's some news thing showing the chaos that like Deadpool is causing in another state. I think that that kind of stuff would be funny. And you could always bring Deadpool into the MCU works very well. Uh, MCU into Deadpool gets weird because then you have these cartoonish superheroes coming into a uh, violent, (laughs) hyper violent fuck world like i just want the opening of deadpool 3 to show that they got a money upgrade so everything looks better like oh we got some of that disney money now and like suddenly the like all the sets look better and the production values are higher it's just walking along and it's just getting nicer behind him kind of thing (laughs) i i was gonna say the worst thing is is because they haven't introduced the x-men yet and they probably won't be introduced before deadpool 3 they can't make a crack of him showing up at the mansion and all the x-men being there and him being like (laughs) oh we finally got it (laughs) 
What if, because uh, there's all the rumors now that Chris Evans is coming back as Cap. What if they're just bringing him back just to cameo in, X- in uh, Deadpool 3? <laughs> what if that's all these rumors are about? And it's just like, wouldn't it be funny? I yeah. like, did, did you guys see after the announcement, uh, the dude who plays Colossus made some cryptic tweets that were basically just like smiley faces and thumbs up. He never said anything. Almost almost like he's like, I signed a contract too. I'm, I'm official Colossus now. Nice. I hope so. I, I hope they don't abandon that guy because fucking his Colossus is one of the things that makes those movies so fucking great. We've been uh, like, like, you know, we've been watching that gifted show or whatever and we'll be watching movies. And whatever channel our TV was on has been playing Deadpool 2 nonstop. <laughs> so every time we turn it off, it's always in the exact same spot of the very end of Deadpool 2. And I always just crack up when, he, when he's feigning that he's dying and he tries to get Colossus to swear. And since, since it's on like TBS or something. He's like, say, say fuck. Just say it once. Just say fuck. <laughs> Well, yeah, but since it's on like TBS, it's like, come on, say it, fa fa fa, and then Colossus just goes fudge, and he's like, hey, potty mouth, you're going to hell. <laughs> I'm like, that's almost even better. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anybody got anything clever to say to wrap up this episode? No, can't talk about Deadpool and then I think we have something clever to say. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Goodnight.